Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. One hundred six point five FM Los Angeles, one hundred two point three FM Riverside, and one hundred five oh AM Palm Springs. Now the book we're talking about is Blackout, and uh, the guest is the author uh, Marco Carroll Carey. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Well, Marco, um, so where did the book come from? This is your first book, right? Yes, this is uh, my actual my first attempt at professional writing, and uh, it took several years for it to get to where it is. But uh, yeah, this was basically an idea that started almost almost eight years ago, uh, back home in Switzerland, and uh, it progressed into what it is today. So I'm very excited that this book finally found a home and uh, is is getting some really nice um, what do you call it. Uh, praise and blurb, so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, that's always good to start. It's yeah. a nervous time. But, okay, so you weren't a professional writer by trade. And no. so th- this, so what exactly about this story you're, you're, you're writing about um, got you uh, enough confidence, let's just say, or enough, enough nerve or initiative built up to actually put it together, put it in a book, and put it out there, to have people read it like what what was the trigger point for you oh uh well it started sort of with a dare uh to myself from myself to myself uh eight years ago i i love crime fiction and true crime and i read a a ton of books and at the time eight years ago i sort of was missing the heydays of queer protagonists of the 80s and 90s and all the authors that I love and read. And so I, fi- I kind of thought, I got this crazy idea that 
I could do this. I'm like, sure, I can do this. Let's, let's try and get my own story. And I'm a total, uh, if that's the correct word, an Americanophile, if you will. I, I can love all the state stuff. I, I love the music, the movies, um, the history of it. And I always felt the kind of story that was rumbling around in my brain would, would be a perfect setting for somewhere in New York or somewhere in, the, in, in, a, in a major city in the States. And then I found out about the blackout of 77 and found that really fascinating and decided that should at the very least be a, a part of my book. Um, originally, there was a lot more about the 77 blackout in it, more chapters that take place during that time. And then just for, uh, for, for brevity and keeping you know, the story not too cluttered, uh, I, I cut some stuff. But uh, primarily the story happens in present day, quote-unquote, 2016, uh, 39 years after the protagonist's dad was killed right before the New York City blackout. Um, and so mm. that all kind of came together, and I started basically writing it, uh, went through various stages, tried to shop it around a few years ago. Uh, it started with Thriller Fest uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, got several rejections, as, as one usually does. <laughs> and uh, I, that finally led to some more soul-searching of what I wanted the book to be about and getting a clearer focus. And then I had this uh, chance meeting with Level Best Book uh, and Sean uh, Simmons from, from Level, Level Best Book, which was uh, really a, a match made in heaven. And um, here we are. Hmm. That's really interesting, but uh, you know when you say the blackout of '77, I was just reviewing that because uh, uh, Rodney Alcala, you know, the game show killer, had killed a lady in New York during just after the blackout. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. I know because I wrote that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a, just a little. That was a that was a pretty evil time for New York in the later '70s, yeah, yeah. Son of Sam and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but okay, so so you get this together and and all that. But this is a really hard question. I ask new writers this a lot. It's because I like to make them squirm. No, I, <laughs> no, it's just. So what gave you that confidence? But okay, so you write a good book. In your mind, you're like, okay, I can do this. I do this. It's as good as what I read. It's you know, blah blah blah. But what gave you confidence, especially after rejection and stuff like that? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean because we've all done it. I'm not. It's not a slam because I've been. Oh, yeah. We've all no, been. I... We've all been turned away, and and that's not. That's just part of the game, I guess you call it. But there, I always wonder in someone's, in their soul, what is it that kind of goes? I won't take no. I, this is this is this needs to be published, or I I believe it should be. It, it, I always like to try to find that point in a person. Yeah. Do you recognize that that time for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And nothing gave me confidence. I can tell you that much <laughs> as a person <laughs> who is very self-conscious or gets very self-conscious frequently and always feels like, no, 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 I'm not good enough. And no, this isn't good enough. And oh, I don't belong here. Uh, it was really, really difficult. So um, I wrote the book. And of course, the, the minute I was done, I was like, print, you know, this is this is good to go. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then, uh, thankfully, uh, you know, how they always tell you not to necessarily share your work with your friends and family. Well, mine are savage. So uh, it was a really, really good experience because while the book was um, 
or the, the novel at this stage was very well received. Uh, I also got some very harsh criticism from my friends who were not, uh, who were very funny about it, but also very direct. <laughs> and you need that, I think. And so um, I took that to heart and finally decided, okay, I think I want to go somewhere with this, but I need writing classes. English is not my first language. In fact, I didn't even learn it in school, but more or less on the street or in the gutter, as my friends would say. And, um, it, you know, there are, you'll hear it as I speak. Sometimes I will say something that's not quite correct or the grammar is just a little off. And so I realized I need a little bit more help and understanding. So I started taking writing classes and by 2018, I felt pretty confident uh, to go and shop the book around. And that's when I did Pitch Fest at Thriller Fest. And I was very successful with that, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, I really did not expect that. And I was scared. Yeah, I was very scared doing this. Yeah. But, but, but I had a really nice response. Out of seven people that I spoke to, I got seven yeses, which was fantastic. But oh, I also got seven rejections. Yeah, I got seven rejections following that. So, <laughs> so it's kind of yeah. like, okay. Yeah, but you had to do it. You kind of have to do it. It's just... Um, well, you have to realize that these, these publishers, too, um, especially the small ones, they're, they're, they're in it to... They, they have to make money, and they have to yeah. produce things that are going to at least break even. Um, and even if they think it's a really good work, can they sell it right in and yep. and so you know it's a business too and they they run from that end so it, it, it's not always a a negative toward you or maybe what you've written it might just be the wrong thing that they want to publish or it doesn't fit what they want to do so there's a lot of other things um it's easy to say yeah. afterwards and once you get something done but it's hard at the time Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the really nice thing, actually, that the positive I can take from that or take away from that is that all but one uh, very positively commented on my writing, which was fantastic because all this time I'm thinking, you know, all my life people have told me you should write, you should write. And then I'm doing this and suddenly I'm full of self-doubt and thinking, should you write? Should you really do this? Is this really a good idea? And then you have people come back to you that say, well, this isn't working for us. However, we did like your style. We liked your writing. If you have anything else, please keep us in mind and submit again, which was like, well, this is great. Uh, this is a step forward. Uh, apparently, I don't suck that much. Uh, and people, <laughs> you know, they, they, they see something in there. And I realized at the same time, I still need more fine tuning. So I just kept up with uh, more writing classes and learning from others and sending the book out and getting, you know, feedback on it. And then uh, I almost gave up. I had a kind of a, a darker time. Uh, I had just, you know, had moved to the States a few years, was here for a few years. Um, and I really missed my family and missed my friends. It wasn't just so easy to always pick up and leave and, 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 and say, hey, uh, I'm going to Switzerland for I don't know how many weeks or months to see everybody. I had work to do. I, I work as a photographer. so. Uh, it was just a difficult time, and I felt the book wasn't going anywhere. So my husband was the one kicking my butt saying, no, you've spent all this time, all this energy, all this money flying to New York, going to conferences. I believe in you. You wrote a good book. You deserve to be heard, but you have to dig your heels in deeper. And so I did, and then, had, like I said, I had this sort of chance meeting at a conference where I met Sean, and I reached out to her and said, hey, I know you don't represent queer authors, or at least you don't have anybody in, in your, in your uh, roster of people. Would you be interested in this book? Would this be something you think 
might work for you because, again, as you just said, uh, um, if they can't sell it, they don't have the audience. Uh, obviously, they're not going to be interested. And she read it and came back and she was like, absolutely. We, we love the book. Um, let's do this. And, yeah, again, here we are. So, mm. do, do you think it's harder? Do you think that's another um, hill to climb, as you would say, because it is um, gay or, or queer, as you'd call it, um, in the book? Like, do you think that's a harder thing? It narrows the places to go? It probably does, and th that would probably be a, a, a no, not probably. That would be very interesting also to hear from John what his input is on that. Um, I think it's getting better again. I, it seemed mm -hmm. to me for a while that, uh, you know, again, 80s and 90s, you had the heyday sort of, of mm -hmm. queer literature, and you had all these great authors coming out with all these books, and I found most of them, or a lot of them when I was a, 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 in my late teens and a young man, and they really sort of opened my eyes that there was this totally different world of crime fiction, uh, especially since that was my go-to. And then it sort of went away, and then it became more of a niche thing and a lot of more like male-male romance, which is, you know, great. I, that's, I'm all for it. But uh, you could tell that the big uh, publishers seemed to shy away from signing these authors. Uh, perhaps there wasn't big enough a market. And so I thought it was a hurdle. And I fully expected people to sort of just go, oh, what are you writing? And then you tell them, and it's like, oh, it's gay. And, you know, it's like that. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't really experience that, especially once I joined the, you know, crime fiction chapters, Mystery Writers of America, Thriller Fest, Sisters in Crime. Uh, it was exceptionally welcoming, and everybody seemed to have their place and, and be welcome. And, and that was a really great experience. Um, however... I think today, and maybe that's just my shortcoming of not marketing it right or saying it right, but if you talk to people, I still have always that feeling of telling someone about the book, which to me was always telling a story that could happen to anyone. It doesn't matter who the person is per se. The story could happen to someone with a little bit of, you know, suspension of disbelief. But, uh, but you also uh, then finally hone it in closer and say, but my protagonist is gay. And it's just a fact of life. It's not, it doesn't solve the crime. It doesn't have any special um, power. Uh, it is just another person's experience and truth, if you will. And um, I could imagine that a lot of people would still say, oh, well, then I guess it's not for me. And I have to accept that. Um, but, you know, I would love to hear what John has to say also. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so interesting. Like you're saying, there was this heyday in the, you know, 80s and early 90s. And I, I fear that one of the chief things that caused the problem or, or caused it to go away were the box stores, these big bookstore box stores, Barnes & Noble and Borders, when they had domain, they sort of put all the um, the gay authors back in the um, the gay and lesbian section, as it was known yeah. then, and yeah. it became kind of a, a you know, for lack of a better word, kind of a ghetto for ghettoized us. Yeah. Um, before there were all these great queer gay bookstores going on, and then that these other large monsters put those out of business and then put us in the back. <laughs> Yeah. And then it wasn't until like the, you know, Amazon came along and these sorts of things that we kind of, you start to see more energy in those, you know, people started connecting and, and finding um, these writers again. And, 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 you know, now we're kind of having a resurgence of both, both older writers coming back and then some new writers coming in. Yeah. Um, I still think, I mean, I, th I think that it's still a question, it's something the publishing industry is, is, 
is working on a bit. Um, I hope it's working on, but this idea of, um, you know, only gay people want to read gay books, that kind of idea that you're, you're always niche. And I think, you know, we're, we're certainly, I think we're having a, a new generation of readers who are not going to be reading in this sort of niche. They'll be reading across difference, I guess. If, yeah. You know, yeah. From the strips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think publishers got to kind of get out of that mindset. And that would, that means like, you know, they see like Marco, your book, they'll be like, you know, this is a book, you know, anyone would be interested in reading because it's just a good mystery. Right. So, um, I think so. that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it happens both ways too. Cause I, I've got, I don't know how many books out now in, in true crime and it's not marketed well in the gay community, even though I'm gay. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. sort of not yeah, really it's, something it's, that yeah. mm-hmm. none of the gay publishers ever have ever approached me about ever doing anything. Um, not even Grinder Serial Killer or some of the ones that are. Yeah, I guess it's a dark <laughs> subject. But, but so so I have to go. T- but it gets done on regular um, publishing f- formats, companies, yeah. not, not the gay ones. And it's certainly not promoted in that way. So. Um, so I think it works both ways. Yeah. You know, but you're right. I don't even think of you as a gay writer, John. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, in some ways I don't, I, I prefer to be, a, it's often in my subject matter, but it's not like, yeah, I wouldn't always, I would hate to feel like I had to write a book with a gay character in it. I don't know, Marco, if you feel that way, but you know, it's what I'm doing or I have queer characters in my books, but I don't. I would sometimes maybe want to write a book that didn't have one, you know, <laughs> I would hate to feel sort of like in that squarely in that alley if I had, you know, but um, I'm not sure how you feel about that, but. No, absolutely. I agree. Actually, it's funny because when I was, when I started as a photographer, I instantly, because I photographed men and a lot of naked men, I became the gay photographer. I was always labeled a gay photographer, and it seems like that's the only thing I can do in people's minds because everybody kept saying it. And I really hated that because I thought, wait a second, I can do this and I can do that and I can try something different. For a long time, I didn't want to. So now it's the same thing. I, at the time, I just wanted to photograph people, and a majority of them were men, and I was hoping that people, people, straight, gay, whatever, would enjoy the images if those images spoke to them. Not whether I was gay or if the models were gay, it shouldn't matter. And the same for writing. Uh, it is true that I have a gay protagonist in this one, and I have a short story coming out in an anthology that's, uh, that doesn't feature any gay characters. Uh, and I wanted, my goal is to write stories and hopefully tell stories that people are interested in, regardless of whatever, <laughs> to make right. it real broad. That would right. be the goal. I, I, I think it, it I don't know, but that's people, you know, we have to label everything. And I'm the same way. I, I always have to label stuff. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Uh, it, it can't just be a more broader general approach to describe this or that. It doesn't have to have a label because I don't want it. So maybe that's mm-hmm. just human nature. Yeah, it is. It's, I, I think it's okay to an extent. We just have to realize, and we can't fall into the trap of when we label something, then we have, then we know what it is because we don't. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, because I, I saw some of your photos and actually I didn't realize you were photoing um, 
make it matter. Yeah. Yeah, not on my website. <laughs> I cleaned up my act for America. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll come burn your house down. <laughs> get, get them going. Uh, well, no, because I didn't realize, actually. I saw some of the pictures, and they looked very nice. That you have, Thank like, you. houses and different. I thought, well, it looks really good. You're a good photographer. Um, and um, I found it interesting, but you're right. People will label you and then think they know oh that's what he does and then that's just what they'll think that's just how it is it's america's kind of hard that way um once you get labeled so um so with this story this story where did this story come from for you like it does it does it come from just uh, you're sleeping in bed at night and it comes to your mind uh do you see something um somewhere and it kind of builds from there do you see someone in the coffee shop in palm springs and you're thinking oh and you start creating the story around them like where does it where does it happen for you um yeah it can be a little of everything so for 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 blackout that was a, uh, uh what do you call it see now my german is failing me uh it, it's a combination of different things uh it it was you know, reading about certain events that happen in, in, in the States or in, in Manhattan specifically. And then my, my idea of what do you want to say with this book? What do you want to do? Because for me, for Blackout anyway, it was, uh, also, it was pretty much the story of a person who gets thrown, an average person who's suddenly faced uh, with traumatic, traumatic experiences and has to, his life is you know, uh, unraveling before his eyes, what does he do next? Is he going to succumb to it? Is he going to overcome it? And if so, how? And can he find a certain strength in, inside of him? And I was drawing from my own experiences. And and so that made it a slightly different experience for that particular book than for the other writing that I'm uh, trying to get <laughs> done now. Uh, I, I do sometimes go places and I see something, for example, we were driving... Uh, to see uh, my husband's family uh, up in Butte, Montana. So we were driving through Amish uh, country and it was just gorgeous. It was so different than, than other stuff that I'd seen. And we saw these, you know, little towns and all these churches. And suddenly I thought, you know, how, how would it be for, for, for a queer person to, to grow up here uh, with religion being a big, a big factor and a problem? Um, for, for that particular person. So I started taking notes, and it was interesting that, you know, the environment sort of gave me an idea for a story that um, I planned to write one day. Uh, so far, we only have cliff notes. And then, uh, yeah, sometimes you travel, and, and suddenly it's like, oh, how about this? How about that? So it absolutely happens. But often I'm also trying to figure out who's the person first, who is the person, the protagonist or the antagonist, uh, that fascinates me or who fascinates me that I feel uh, deserves a book or a story. Uh, and then the rest kind of falls into place after. So do you have something that you want people to get out of your book other than the story? Like, so when I take home Blackout and I read it, at the end of the book, of course, I go through the story and I learn about the characters and the, the, the events that happen. But is there something underlying there? Well, for me... Personally, for me, and I don't know if anybody else is going to get that out of it, but for me, it was about overcome, overcoming your fears and, 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 you know, rediscovering perhaps 
yourself? Who are you as a person? Who did you think you were until these moments occurred, until these uh, things happened to you? Who are you after? Have you grown and how? And then another thing for me very important in this particular book was uh, the the topic of friendship and family, the families that we create as we go through life. Um, while there are a lot of things based on my life and my actual friends uh, in this book, uh, a lot of it is also fictional, and I did not experience a lot of the things that Franco is going through. But one of the things that in my life has gotten me through a lot of tough times are my friends of by now 20 years and my family. And I consider my friends who are not of blood, uh, you know, relation, um, just as much family as my mom and my dad and my sister, and I would do anything for them. And so that was very important to me, and I wanted that to come through in the book, that family, the way, you know, anyone might uh, define it, does not necessarily have to be the same family someone else defines it, but it still counts. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. One thing I kept on thinking about is, and this maybe is, um, you know, putting my own interest on top of it was, you know, you're a photographer. Um, I've written my first novel, Centers Around a Photographer, and yeah. I'm very interested in like, you know, there there's a real creative impulse with both the activity of writing and the activity of of um taking a picture um do you feel like do you in your you know as you're creating do you feel like there's this intersection between the two or do you think they're kind of separate um and distinct uh i hope i, I got this right uh, i i think they are distinct like are you talking specifically for this book uh asking for this book well, how, how... I, I mean i could certainly i could ask yeah i mean the book or in general what however you want to answer it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean uh there, there yeah there is a, a definitely a creative aspect uh to to both uh, things and and photography is a lot about for me anyway is a lot uh, about spontaneity uh but also preparation and mm -hmm. so let's say as far as writing the book there was a lot of spontaneity but not a lot of preparation and so the preparation had to come after, which was what made the book a lot better than it was in the beginning. Uh, but but uh, as far as the story itself, uh, I because I wanted the character based on me, because I knew me, uh, I, I, I knew how, or I thought I knew how I'd react in certain situations, a lot of the characters based on me. And so I gave him a lot of um, my history and my experiences because I felt that would flesh it out and would make it, uh, very three-dimensional. Uh, but at the same time, I really did not want photography to be a major uh, element uh, other than sure, right. a struggling photographer like I was during that time mm -hmm. and working several jobs on the side to make it, even though I, you know, I, I did get my five seconds of fame and it was really that short. But I had uh, moments where I was published around the world and I got my work in, uh, in a lot of really great magazines and books and I was really proud of that, but there was also no money in it. And so eventually you had to, I had to uh, veer away from that and find an, a different market in photography that actually paid my bills. And so, uh, yeah, I wanted to marry that in the book uh, to, to, to kind of show that, you know, it can be a difficult, and not everybody's instantly successful. Not everybody's an overnight success. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> sure. I'm just curious, even um, you know, and maybe I'm I'm drilling down too much, but like the you know act of 
I, I guess I'm a very visual writer. I do, I do have a good bit of description in mind and I tend to visualize a lot. Um, yeah. And I don't know, that's not true for all writers, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, some are much more st story or, I mean, there's very, there's just all different approaches and none of them are wrong. I was just curious if you, because clearly you're a very visually sensitive person, whether that also, you, you felt like that came up in your writing or whether you, you didn't or, or if you thought about it. I mean, maybe. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I, I hope it did. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I thought it did, but, you know, the reader has to be the, the, the I guess it's going to be the final uh, judge on that. But I really hoped it did because to me, and, and yes, uh, as, as a visually sort of engaged person um in, in that sense uh, the writing for me was was very um visual 
in the sense yeah. I could instantly see the scene. I see the scene before I write it, and it's like a movie. It's, al- it's already ready to go, so it could already be a miniseries or whatever in my head. Right. And so it, it, it now comes the, the, the moment of saying, all right, how do I put that on the page? I can see it in my head. I can even smell it, but how do you put it on the page to make the reader see and experience the same thing that you did, or at least close to it. And the book originally was a lot longer. And again, it had to be cut down just to be you know, concise. And, and I hope not too much got lost uh, in, in descriptions where you, know, you wanted to uh, set, a, set a scene. Because of course, um, I'm Swiss. Uh, until almost five years ago, I lived in Switzerland. And even though I used to fly for the airlines and I visited New York well over 200 times by now, I never lived there. And so, yeah, I have my memories and I know what it feels like visiting, but I didn't really know what it felt like living there day after day. So I took some liberties. And then, of course, I spoke to my friends. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure I did the city enough justice to come alive in the pages and come across as New York and be kind of specific and not very generic, but also not bog the story down with pages and pages after you know, uh, of description, because pretty much everybody knows New York and has their own impression right. of what it is. Right. So, yeah. No, no, that's great. That's, uh, I, I felt that, so. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That's interesting. So who, you put a lot of your own life into the book. It sounds like a lot of the things you're challenged with in your life um, in the past, you've incorporated in the story. Yeah, to an extent, I, I did. And I think, you know, it, it, and now after, you know, afterwards going to all these uh, uh, crime conventions, crime uh, writing conventions and stuff, you have the people who say, oh, you know, write what you know. And then there's those who say, write what you don't know, <laughs> etc. So I started with write what I know, because there was also a lot that I don't know. I did not grow up in New York. I did not ever live there for an extended period of time. I Fortunately, my dad lived to be uh, of a very, very uh, advanced age, uh, so I was not ever going through a uh, traumatic experience like that. So I was making up a lot of stuff and felt I needed a balance. And so that's why I chose a character where I knew I could infuse a lot of my personal experiences into that, as well as the close friends uh, who were based on my close friends. Um, and I just sort of fictionalized them. They gave them some totally different identities and all that sort of stuff. But I really, it made it easier for me at the time to say, how would X, Y, and Z react if I said such and such? And it was fun to do that. And they loved it. They thought it was a great idea and have not sued me so far. So it's, <laughs> so it's just kind of, you know, it was a, a marriage of basically uh, two separate things to try and create something that hopefully uh, reads well uh, for, for, you know, um, the reader and who's engaged enough so that it feels real enough. Uh, but I also had to be careful not to put too much into that, uh, especially of my own experiences. And because, well, you know, once that's out, people feel like they know you. And, uh, and to an extent they do, I'm an open book. I have no problem talking about anything, but at the same time, uh, it, it's maybe not necessary. You want to have uh, the reader have their own experience with the character. They need to know certain th- things about him or her, but then they also should be able to have their own feelings and emotions about them. Hmm. So who are your influences? 
Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be writers. It can just be who 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 sort of seeps into your writing. I have no idea. I wish I can tell you this. I wish, and I have a whole list of authors I wish to seep into my writing. I love, I you know, back from the olden days, if you will. Uh, I love Joseph Hansen, Armistead Maupin, uh, Michael Nava, uh, but at the same time, I also read. Uh, and John Connolly, uh, Connolly and, and Michael Connolly and uh, Dennis Lehane, like all these writers that have been with, with me for so long. I, I love their style. All of them are different. And I far, would, far be it from me to compare myself to anyone, but I was, I was hoping that by reading their work, I would pick up on a certain rhythm, perhaps, um, that, that appealed to me. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I couldn't say. I, I hope that they all sort of influence me in a way uh, because I love the work, but I don't know that I would. I wouldn't go as far as say that I succeeded. <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. Well, that's good. Uh, but you now, if you were, you know, when you look back at this book, um, now that you know it's, it's being published, do you think you would change anything about it? Uh, well, I, know. I, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I would say right now, this very moment, I am as happy as I've ever been with it because the last changes happened only a few months ago, um, by rewriting a very large section of it, uh, an idea that I'd had for a long, long time, but wasn't sure if, if I should go with it or not. And then I discussed it with my editor. So I, I feel that it's, the best it can be at this particular time and moment. However, uh, and you've noticed this in my answers, which can be rambling at times, uh, <laughs> I, I would have loved to include more stuff about the blackout. I, uh, I love music, and so I would have loved to put even more stuff like that in there. But you also don't want to bore the reader that might have a certain interest, but not an extended interest. They don't want to read page after page after, you know, the music scene of the 70s and all the fantastic singers and groups that came out at that time. So I really had to kind of bog down on it. Plus, I had some really nice, I thought, um, sort of side stories, subplots that involved the friends that I were very near and dear to my heart, but it just made the book a lot longer, and they also took away from the from the mystery. And so finally, I had to decide what I wanted to do. And this is Franco's story. This is uh, a young man, well, not so young, a forty-three-year-old guy who who had a very traumatic experience at four, and now again at forty-three. And uh, I wanted to stick with him, and so some stuff had to be cut. So maybe next time. Oh, you cut out my part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not in it anymore. I'm devastated. <laughs> oh, man. Um, wow. So do you, do you, do you uh, have a relationship with your main character? Yeah. I mean, I, well, yeah. Uh, at, at this point, I would say yes. And it, it, the, I had to step away several times thinking, okay, uh, I need the character to let uh, to, I need to let the character take over, and he finally did. It was really interesting to see that while I felt I knew and everything about him, uh, there were several surprising instances here and there during the writing where I was like, no, this character is going to go and do something different than I would do. Um, but I feel like I know him fairly well, and 
and I, I care about him very deeply, as I do about um, my other characters, where I'm like, I, I, I would like to see where they go from here, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, I, just, I find it interesting because fiction writers have uh, um, always a relationship, like they call their characters their kids, or, um, <laughs> you know, there's always these relationships which, uh, you know, personally, my characters I can't stand. Um, but they're killers. Yeah. They're real. Life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, you know. Um, so what do you think about uh, doing more in this sort of field? Or did you plan on writing more stories like this? Uh, yeah, I would love to. Now that I'm done, uh, and and this book has a home and it's coming out. I, I totally have a, a sequel in mind, um, and that very much depends on whether the readers you know, take positively to Blackout and say, hey, we absolutely want to know what happens uh, next. I never saw it as a series because I do not want this to be Murder, He Wrote. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of people who do this and they do it really well. I don't see myself as, as that kind of person in this setting because we have a very average person who's a photographer, he's struggling, he's in the situation, he's not really an amateur sleuth, although he is trying to get, you know, to the root of things uh, with a little bit of help and, uh, and obstruction of the police, but at the same time, you know, doing four or five books with that character would not work for me. Who knows what I think in 10 years, but right now it, it doesn't. But with everything that happens to this character, uh, and all the really terrible things I throw at him, uh, that changes a person. And I very specifically wanted to end the book on a note where my care, well, there are possibilities, but there are also repercussions to everything that's happened to him and everything that he's done. And so it, you know, it gives me choices uh, if I want to and if the interest is there. But right now I am working on a completely different thing. I always wanted to do a police procedural with a character that is uh, either gay or bisexual. Uh, right now I've written him as a bisexual man uh, because I find that fascinating. I've, you know, myself I'm not bisexual, but I had uh, relationships with uh, men who were and I have friends who are, and I find it interesting to hear their stories and how uh, bisexuality is still sort of a, it's there in the, you know, in, in all the letters of the LGBTQ community, but uh, I've, I read a lot of reports and I hear that um, also, yeah, told to me from time to time that being bisexual makes you this, not a unicorn, uh, but you're hard to, again, label, you're hard to label, you know, are you this, are you that? Uh, and I, some people find that very exhausting, uh, living as bisexuals, and I find that very fascinating. So I felt perhaps uh, trying my hand at a procedural where I have a chance to come back with the same character if, if it's successful for, you know, three or 10 books, uh, is is a better fit because we're not talking about an average Joe in an unusual, uh, unusual situation. You're talking about a, uh, a homicide detective or a private eye or whatever who does this for a living. That makes it more natural, and I felt that was important. So does it matter what um, the critics say or what, what the reviews end up being or how well it sells? <laughs> No, I, I mean this, and I, I don't mean yeah. like it's a disaster and you get like 21 <laughs> stars and, and all this negative stuff. But I'm just saying, at the end of the day, um, moving forward, does it matter if it's not 
where you want it to be, let's say? I really hope that it won't. Uh, and that goes back to me getting very self-conscious very, very quickly sometimes and, and then suddenly doubting all my abilities and stuff. So a part of me is, of course, kind of worried at this point. Now, I've gotten some really wonderful blurbs and really good feedback from uh, other writers and from uh, people who've read it. So that makes me very appreciative, but also puts me in a really nice position. But now it's open season. So everybody has a word. Everybody has an opinion. And I mean, you know this, John. I mean, and Al, you both know this. You go online and you see, you know, I watch what happens to other reader, uh, writers as well. I go and read uh, reviews because I perhaps want to pick up their book or I already have. And I read it and I see what other writers are tweeting and, and saying online. And it is a battlefield out there it is just there are so many horrible people who just live to like, <laughs> miserable it seems like they have absolutely yeah. no other no no other reason for living it seems so you know it happens um i have to develop a thick skin because eventually someone will not like what i wrote whether they for whatever reasons it doesn't even matter and at that point um you have to or i have to be strong enough and hopefully have enough vision to take out what's you know what's important to me because sometimes criticism is absolutely absolutely warranted uh and and you can learn from it but then there are those people <laughs> there are those people like that one reviewer when i brought out my photo uh, book of uh male nudes uh, almost 20 years ago i was written up clear across the world i had beautiful reviews in the states in australia in in germany in switzerland everywhere uh, people were really gracious i got to do portfolios uh, my pictures were everywhere and then there was this one review that was so personal and scathing and you know like stopped short of calling my mother a prostitute or whatever i mean it was just that bad it was just really personal and horrible and i thought oh my god what did I do wrong? And so it took me several years to actually forget the, the wording. I could repeat it back to you verbatim for a while. Uh, it was that it left that much of a mark on me. But now, years later, I fortunately cannot anymore. I just know the gist of it. So, you know, there might be that person. I've, I've seen it on, on, on social media from other writers where they are devastated that somebody was so mean to them without a reason. But that's how we are unfortunately these days and i try to focus on the positive so in a long way around to answer your question i hope that it won't matter because it would be unfortunate if that kind of killed my 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 joy of writing and wanting to tell stories i should i should still always believe in what i do and and know that there is someone out there whoever that may be who wants to hear what i have to say who wants to read what i what i'm telling them and keep going and become a better writer yeah, I think I think you just have to keep it in perspective and maybe put it in its own compartment. Because I think at the end of the day, um, if you focus on what the noise is around you, um, you lose focus of what you're doing. Yeah, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. whether whether it's really praising, oh, you're the best, oh my god, right. or yeah, either right. it's like, oh my god, you couldn't write if your yeah. you know life depended on it. whatever they're doing. All of that stuff outside of you, if you start focusing on that, then you're no longer doing what you want to do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm totally that person. Unfortunately, I really am learning a lot to let that go and not listen too much to the chatter that's going on, whether it's good or bad. And, and, you know, believe in myself more and say, I can do this and I want to do this. And if it means I have to dig in my heels deeper, I will do it. Uh, I'm getting better at it, but it's difficult because, yeah, it can be distracting. Well, it's owning the bad stuff, too. Uh, I look at there's things I do wrong. There's things I've made mistakes on. There's things I could have done better. But you look at it and go, okay, well, I own that. That's that's who I am. Okay, so things things have turned out. Hopefully I I get it right next time, let's say. Um, So you got to kind of own it, but not let people throw you off your job if that makes sense, because it's the worst thing yeah. in the world. You know, people will, you know, for, just because they don't like your, your hair or your... Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, oh, he's from Switzerland. <laughs> oh, gosh, those Swiss. Those Swiss. <laughs> Swiss and their chocolate. My God. <laughs> no, I just, I, I, you know, uh, but just keep moving forward. I think uh, yeah. you're you're doing good work, and you just kind of got to keep building on what you do. and, and uh you. Don't worry about, you know, uh, it's weird how how it goes and what sells yeah. and what doesn't and, you know, and when it does. A uh, good thing about books is a lot of times things sell years after you put them out. Yeah. I mean, really take off and you kind of go, wow, that's weird. Um, anyway, now do you have a website that people can come find you and stalk you? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I just revamped it so that you now can go to the left for books and for the right, to the right for photo, uh, photographs. Uh, the webpage is uh, www.marcocarocari.com, and uh, you can pre-order and uh, or buy the book there. You can find out about me, or you can look at my photographic work uh, that I've done over the years. Minus the nudes. <laughs> you have to dig a little deeper. The Internet has them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, marcocaracari.com is the website. And there's contact for people if they have a, uh, something yes. they want to. Fantastic. And we'll have that on our website as well, as well as uh, your book, so people can do one click. They can pick up the book. They can find your website, and uh, it's fantastic. Hey, uh, so... Has all the COVID and all of this stuff around you affected you in, in your writing and even your photography? Does, do you find that it kind of it makes it hard to work or does it, does it have any influence on you at all? Um, it did, uh, but it, with the photography, bizarrely enough, uh, I, and I, I feel horrible saying this, uh, knowing so many people have you know lost their jobs and stuff, um, but my year was pretty good because... Uh, Palm Springs exploded literally with the uh, real estate market. People mm-hmm. wanted to get out of cities, so they wanted to buy here. And so all of a sudden, everybody who wanted to make a buck put their house up for sale, which puts me into action. Uh, I, I'm photographing a lot of these homes that go on the market. So I uh, was very busy, which kept me from writing. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful that that happened. I'm very fortunate. Uh, but it also, you know, you have, it's Groundhog's Day. I mean, for the, for the longest time, we were just always home, and um, I, I tried to write, and I actually wrote about a third of this uh, new book that I'm trying to do, and it being locked down at home and then having all these restrictions really kind of screwed with that because I could not go to Los Angeles to research uh, areas other than, you know, doing it on Google, and I have this uh, one contact, wonderful lady, 
who was an ex-detective with the LAPD, and she was like, oh, sure, let's go, you know, to my old precinct. I'll introduce you to people. And, I mean, how wonderful is that? And I have been chosen to do this, but uh, we couldn't do it. Uh, we had to postpone and postpone, and we still haven't done it because of all the stuff that happened. So, uh, unfortunately, in my particular case, feeling like I need to know more about the stuff that I'm writing, in this case, procedure with the police, which I've never done uh, in my real life. Uh, it, it kind of puts a damper on my writing because I'm not sure I can write the scene authentically. Uh, I always feel I need to know about it before I do it. So, you know, but yeah, we point. made it through it. We made it through uh, most of it pretty much unscathed here, uh, fortunately, and, uh, you know, taking one day at a time. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know it's an important to get as much of the detail and being part of the, the real life to put into your book in order to, uh, you know, because the worst thing in the world is reading a book and then someone's in the writing, it, you know, it's totally wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's a good thing. It's a good thing. No, I was just wondering if it made it a little darker, if, if, if when things around you are kind of in a dark place, does that kind of get into your writing? Uh, this one did. Uh, I always intended to write a darker book than Blackout is. A Blackout, despite the topic and some of the more serious uh, things that happen in it, has a lot of light scenes, especially between the friends. And I wanted that. That was important to me. But uh, this new work in progress does not. And it is actually quite dark. And, and I think uh, that COVID did not help it. Uh, I'm actually at a point where I'm thinking, okay, it's do people just want to split their wrist when they start, you know, on page one? I, I need to, maybe I need to lighten it up a little bit more and find a different kind of, maybe it's too dark, so we'll see where it goes. I'm sure I have plenty of rewrites ahead of me. Well, yeah, you, you don't want them slitting their wrists on your first chapter. Yeah. You're not going to get any reviews. Uh, true, true, that too. But it is true. I mean, you, you know, for the longest time, we had no idea where this is going. And I guess we have a better idea now, but still every day you have the news. And it can be, and especially at last year uh, during the summer and the fall, it was like, where is this going? I haven't seen my family in a year and a half, except for, uh, you know, on, on uh, Zoom calls and stuff. And my mom was supposed to come see me here. Uh, she just turned 80, but she's really spry. She's more like a 68-year-old, and she's in great health. And... Um, she wants to come and see how I live here. She's never seen it. She took care of my dad for many, many years until he died a year and a half ago. And that's the last I saw everybody, which, you know, travel, it, it, it kind of screws with yours, with your mind a little bit. And so, yeah, I had a lot of darker moments and I think it reflects in my writing at the time. So <laughs> we'll have to brush that up a little and make sure it's not too dark. <laughs> I just wonder too, you know, in your, when you write, when you were writing blackout, for instance, um, does that affect your photography work? At n not so much the mechanical part of it, um, the technique of it. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, the Can style. You... Like yeah. when, you, when you're, because here you are, you're taking photos and you're doing it as an artwork. You're doing it with a, with a style and an impression. Um, so when you start writing a story like Blackout where there's, you know, some challenges in it. There's things going on to the character. Um, does that come into your photography as well? Like, is it all sort of linked with you? Uh, 
I don't think so. Not for the kind of work I do now. Uh, if I do architecture, then it might be slightly different because often with real estate, you have to make sure a house looks the best it can, but you also don't have the time to, you know, to be artistic. You want to give an impression. Uh, however, when I do my personal work, uh, I go out at night and photograph these, you know, landmarks and stuff like that. That's different. And I think that's probably closer to the writing, the writing process where you look at what you've done and then you really start dissecting it and, and looking at it or, or approaching it from a different, from a different angle because you're thinking about it different. Uh, how, what do you want to say with this image? Once it's done, is it just a pretty picture or does it tell a story of sorts? Or do you want to create a certain mood? And so uh, I would say it, it's probably more the other way around, not the writing to the photography, but the photography to the writing, mm. where I try to be more, uh, more, uh, and I don't know the word right now, but I, I, you know, when I write that I try to be as photographic as I can be so that I don't over explain something, but the reader pretty much gets what I'm saying and can, you know, gets an image from, from the place or the person that's described, uh, being, being direct with, you know, what's the point of the scene? What's the point of this character? And if you want there to be a mental image, what are you going to do about it, uh, without hammering the point too, you know, too much? Very interesting, very interesting. Very, very interesting person you are. Well. <laughs> thank you. I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Um, the, the book we were talking about is Blackout, and our um, guest has been the author, um, Marco Caro Carey. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, John and Al, for having me. That's fantastic. And for giving writers a platform like this, this is fantastic. Thank you. Of course, it's been delightful. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! How dare you? If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. 
houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.